Welcome to Strategy Talk, where the editors and contributors of Strategy Watch discuss current events and other military-related topics with a splash of history. I'm your host, Dan Masterson. Joining us today is Jim Dunnigan, editor of Strategy Page, well-known military author, and acknowledged pioneer and innovator in board war games. Also joining us today is Austin Bay, associate editor of Strategy Page, military author, columnist, and retired Colonel U.S. Army Reserves. Welcome, Jim and Austin. Today's probably a good day to talk a little bit about the Europe awakening uh, that uh, the Ukraine invasion has caused. Jim, how has Europe's uh, defense spending like that been affected by this? Well, it's all gone up. Uh, Since 1991, the European attitude was the Russians are different now. They're not the Soviets. They're not the Tsarists. And uh, we can do business with them. (laughs) And you saw how that uh, backfired on Germany because they basically uh, bought a... uh, a huge amount of uh, Russian natural gas, and so did other countries in, in Europe bought even more. And uh, when the war started, uh, the uh, the uh, Nord Stream uh, gas pipeline was uh, destroyed. I'm not sure if they decide, if they determined exactly who did that, but um, Russia apparently uh, planned to use that access to uh, get its way in Ukraine, and it didn't work. Uh, Europeans had now increasing their their weapons production. Uh, Most of the military aid going into Ukraine has come from the United States. The Europeans simply didn't have that much to give. Now they're changing that. They're producing more munitions, Um, uh, but it takes time. They got to set up production and what have you. So do we, of course. We have to re- we have to replace all that artillery ammunition. We got some from South Korea on the pro- on the provision that we do not use it to pass it on to Ukraine. Now the reason for that is interesting. The uh, you, the uh, South Koreans want to maintain good relationships with uh, Russia because Russia had, has a ability to supply North Korea. Now they're. They're using that now. They're basically uh, buying ammunition, artillery ammunition from uh, North Korea and sending in fuel and food, which the North Koreans desperately need. Uh, <clears throat> but still, the Japanese don't want to uh, destroy their relationship with Russia even further because uh, there may not be much Russia to, uh, to offer you know, aid to anybody before long because they're in bad shape. You know, what they've gotten from the uh, North Koreans transported via the uh, Trans-Siberian Express uh, was definitely because they haven't been able to maintain the uh, the Trans-Siberian Railroad adequately. They haven't been able to uh, maintain a lot of their infrastructure, uh, you know, in the last 10 years. Uh, things started to go downhill for Russia when they grabbed uh, Crimea and uh, part of uh, the two provinces in the uh, Donbass. And uh, it's just gotten worse for them. They attack Ukraine, and that basically wiped out their uh, their 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 active duty arm army. Uh, destroyed most of their you know equipment and whatnot. Now they're reduced to basically importing, uh, bringing out of reserve T55 tanks. 
So, you know, the uh, the whole uh, military political dynamic and economic dynamic may be changed, you know, for a long time uh, between Russia and Japan and anybody else. Uh, but that's another story. But the, uh, the basically the Europeans have realized that they cannot, uh, how should I put it, trust that the Russians will be uh, Pacific, as it were, in the future. Even if the Ukrainians push them out of uh, Ukraine, which the Ukrainians are insisting on. Now, for a while, <coughs> the uh, European uh, NATO uh, members, especially Germany and France, said, well, no, you know, cut uh, uh, a deal. In other words, they were telling Ukraine, give up some territory and the Russians will go away. Well, as far as the Ukrainians are concerned, that's not making the Russians going away. That's giving them an appetizer and they'll come back for more. Now. It's, it's ironic that the NATO countries, the ones that joined after 1991, like Poland and the Baltic states, and uh, and now Finland, which has joined NATO, uh, you know, are more realistic about Russia. They they all hoped that Russia would be behave, and now Russia has clearly shown that it is not. Uh, Russia has published uh, articles with the uh, you know government uh, approval because all the the media media in Russia is now basically state controlled uh, that includes portions of Poland that belong to Russia you know greater Russia as it were uh, and the Baltic states which used to be part of Russia uh, yeah they go back into the uh, the the embracing arms of uh, of mother Russia as well so Russia has basically created a lot more enemies than it had before they invaded, and uh, the uh, the European states are rearming furiously because now they believe what their what their Eastern NATO members have been telling them for a long time: Russia has not changed. Uh, don't be fooled. And uh, we'll see if that works out because the Europeans have been very skippy on their their defense spending since 1991 uh, for a number of reasons, not just because of uh, they felt Russia was no longer a threat, but also because they, they've been relying on the United States for so long, even even when the Soviets were there. Uh, and and the Americans have, you know, in, with a certain amount of self-interest, come to the aid of Europe. But the Americans, even before, well, especially before the, um, uh, the Ukrainian invasion, were getting a little ticked off at the Europeans, said, look, you know, it's costing us a lot of money. Now, the, the uh, Germans, for example, pay, have always paid the Americans a certain amount of money to cover the co- extra cost of maintaining American forces in Germany. Um, but as far as the U.S. is concerned, now, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't really cut it. You know, that's just a little, you know, uh, how should I put it, hush money. Uh, but the Americans are fed up as well. Uh, we had the same situation in Korea where a lot of Americans saying, why are American troops still there? Uh, you know, the uh, North Koreans are in no shape to uh, uh, to invade South Korea anymore. Uh, but the South Koreans, you know, most anyway, uh, want that American presence simply as additional insurance to make sure that the uh, the North Koreans don't try anything. Like I say, the North Koreans have been going downhill since 1991, I mean, they're in very bad shape. You know, you're seeing a lot more starvation, uh, homelessness. I mean, the poverty up there is is reaching epic proportions. Uh, 
but that doesn't reassure North Korea in any way because they realize that if the uh, that if things go totally sideways in North Korea, uh, that would mean violence against the North. There are still thousands of, of North Korean rockets and our, artillery pieces, you know, lined up along the DMZ. Uh, most of them within range of Seoul, where you've got about half the population or nearly half of the population and over half the GDP. So they are vulnerable. Um, but Europe, you know, they thought they were immune. They're no longer immune. How long and how far they will go to rearming remains to be seen. They tend to have short memories when it comes to spending money on their own self-defense. Austin, what's your view of what Europe has awakened to? Are there any things beyond increased defense spending? Dan, it's it's really uh, broad, and uh, there, there there are numerous uh, operational strategic reawakenings going on. And yeah, I mean, first the most obvious one is is uh, Finland and Sweden making uh, bids to uh, NATO, and it, it Finland's all but done. Is as soon as uh, the, uh, the Turkish Parliament uh, passes this. Uh, bill that's before it, and they think they're going to do it sometime the uh, end of April, middle of April, uh, to the end of April. Uh, they're all but in, and it's just a formality at the uh, NATO meeting, which is, uh, is I think it's uh, towards the end of, end of June. That's not the case for Sweden, but the public reality is, is that uh, Sweden is by uh, NATO, and they're being kept out by the Sultan, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, he's playing domestic politics. I wrote a little bit about that in, in, a, up, uh, in an update on Turkey uh, on it. But the, the, the huge shift in the uh, uh, views of two supposed committed neutrals, even though uh, like in this week's column, I, I hint at some of the things that were really going on in a Cold War in, in terms of... Uh, uh, Finland and Sweden both cooperating with NATO. Uh, they were. Uh, the Swedes, I didn't get into this, but the Swedes got all kinds of help from uh, NATO nations, primarily uh, uh, Denmark and, and Norway and Britain, for dealing with all these uh, Russian submarines that were always uh, penetrating uh, uh, Swedish waters and uh, training, really, for uh, uh, both stopping landows in an attack and also lurking type uh, uh, submarine attacks. The Swedes would, Swedes got a lot of help uh, uh, from the West on that. But uh, now it's formal. Now it's in public, and even the uh, Swedish virtue signaling uh, socialists who you know think they're so much uh, more moral than everybody else. Uh, yeah, there's some of them that still are we're committed to neutrality, but what they really are committed to, it looks like, is Russian money coming to from uh, Moscow to uh, uh, undermine uh, Swedish so-called Swedish will to defend themselves. But it's out in the public. Jim's talked about arms. Well, you can see the shift in spending going on. Poland and the Baltics, the U.S., Greece. Who else? I think I think there was one other uh, uh, 
uh, the, the checks were getting pretty close at, at one time, and so the French as well to the two percent threshold. But Germany was just in, not doing its share at all. Well, it's the ramp up is going on. Uh, just a reminder that in 2008, with the Russo-Georgia uh, War, there was a mini reawakening when they saw what uh, Putin was up to there with his uh, hybrid war invasion of, uh, of Georgia. But uh, <clears throat> the reset, supposedly from the Obama administration, uh, uh, really played right into Putin's hands. The, the, the Obama administration decided not to uh, deploy uh, uh, ground-based uh, missile defense, uh, uh, I think it was 10 interceptors, the long-range interceptors in Poland. Uh, the radar system was already being put up in the Czech, uh, Czech Republic. And NATO had been working on that really at least 12 years. And it was designed to shoot down a missile coming from Iran, not from uh, Russia. But it was uh, it was almost a sphere of influence statement, is that the uh, Obama administration telling Moscow, Putin, okay, you have your area and we have ours. And I I think that was absolutely critical in the uh, calculations uh, that went on in the Kremlin before the Crimea invasion. Uh, I hope they don't make that mistake again. And the increase in just outright increase in arms spending is indicative that it's not. But here's something else. And uh, Jim had something on this in, uh, air in an air defense update. Uh, what you've seen out of the Ukraine war is how we absolutely need both better battlefield and uh, infrastructure, airspace defense, uh, missiles, anti-aircraft missiles, anti-missile missiles. And <laughs> that kind of links back into them mistake I think that was made in 2009, September 2009, by the Obama administration. Uh, there's uh, an increased uh, effort in the United States, too, for longer-range uh, uh, exo-atmospheric uh, interceptors, primarily led at uh, North Korea and uh, potentially uh, Iran. The Israelis have always been interested in it, and the Israelis have some systems, some mid-range systems that uh, attracted a lot of interest, uh, of, of course, but also in Europe now, because they've seen what the Russian missile attacks on uh, Ukrainian uh, cities, infrastructure and the like have done. I also think that there's a, and part of that too is hardening of, of, def, of uh, airfields and critical defense installations, uh, bunkers, putting them underground and the like. But the Finns, the Swiss have done this too, where they have hardened civilian infrastructure. And I'm reading some things about European nations coming back and saying, look what's going on in, in uh, Ukraine. And I don't, don't think this is going to show up in uh, military budgets. It may show up in, in construction budgets. But, uh, and I, I don't know how, how far they will uh, go with it. Now, the Finns have done some of this with their, where they create these loggers that have supplies in case uh, uh, the Russians invade and they can hold, uh, hold out. The Swiss do it uh, as well. But, uh, I mean, hardening air bases, 
hardened shelters for, for, for aircraft. There's a, a reawakening on that. And finally, I'd say energy as well. Even the Germans are thinking about now uh, uh, going back to uh, nuclear power, retaining some nuclear power. They're burning coal, much to the uh, outrage of their uh, of their greens, but they got to keep the lights on and the heat, uh, uh, so supply heat. Um, if you see that, France comes out looking pretty good with its uh, uh, nuclear reactor program. And I think it's a, a wake up in the United States as well. That, uh, you see that some of these uh, so-called green energy uh, systems, which I'm not against solar at all, uh, all for it. Uh, wind, where it's where it, you have sufficient uh, space to do it, sure. But they're intermittent. And uh, in a place that, uh, as you get further north, you're going to have problems with, uh, you know, switching to solar, and it's not going to be reliable year-round, and uh, you know, wind as well. So you're going to have to look at nuclear and uh, uh, natural gas. Uh, that runs in the face of the one of the most powerful parties in Germany, which is the Green Party. So, oh, political reawakening, and why? Uh, seeing how Russia uses its energy weapon, it's, uh, we're going to let you all freeze unless you let us overrun uh, Ukraine and maybe go to Poland. Uh, that's not going to cut it. Now, you, you, know, you may not want war, war wants you, and you don't want to be cold. So you develop your own uh, uh, more reliable energy resources. So that's kind of a quick survey of an across the board reawakening in Europe and the United States. Jim, would you comment a little bit on the increase in the size of NATO with Finland and Sweden? Uh, yeah, uh, that was um, that was something that the Russians caused. <laughs> the Russians had never wanted Sweden or Finland to join. Uh, you know, uh, Finland's in. They, they've made their formal application. It, uh, Turkey is, as Austin pointed out, is no longer objecting. They are still objecting to Sweden because they, the Swedes have granted um, uh, asylum to a lot of Kurds. Uh, Erdogan in particular is maniacal about the Kurds. He every every time he turns around, he sees another Kurdish conspiracy, um, and uh, it's it's somewhat irrational. And uh, he's demanding it, it to uh, uh, approve uh, 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 Swedish entry into NATO only if they turn over to him uh, Kurds living in uh, in uh, in Sweden. Some of them are Swedish citizens. Whom the the uh, the Turks accuse of being, you know, uh, having committed crimes against uh, Turkey. Now the uh, Swedes want no part of that, and they're basically holding out. That's why you know Finland's been approved, and um, and uh, Sweden has not. But that's something where the uh, where they where the uh, the Turks are definitely on the defensive. <clears throat> and and uh, as Austin pointed out, elections are coming up, and if Erdogan gets. Uh, turfed out, as it were, voted out, which is highly likely as things go by because the Turks are having terrible problems with their economy. Um, and they're really taking a lot of uh, diplomatic and uh, media heat uh, from uh, from uh, Europe and the, the West in general for their attitudes towards the, uh, the, uh, the Ukrainians and the Kurds. And uh, so, you know, that may that may force a change. 
uh, and uh, Sweden may get in. But if that does happen, even if it doesn't happen, I mean, the Swedes will establish, I think as Austin pointed out, an informal, <laughs> a more open but informal uh, alliance with uh, NATO. And what they've essentially done has turned the uh, the Baltic into a, uh, a NATO lake. Uh, all the Russians have left is a little territory around St. Petersburg. I mean, they're boxed in. Well, they have they have the Kaliningrad. Kaliningrad. They still yeah. have Kaliningrad. But, which Kaliningrad. basically can be you know, cut off. Uh, and the in the Baltic states have, and sure. Poland have talked about how they would do that. Uh, simply, I think, to send a message to Russia that, you know, uh, you try and weaponize. They've already weaponized Kaliningrad to a large extent. But uh, we can cut them off. And, you know, by sea and by land, and you won't be able to feed them and uh, they can't feed themselves. Uh, you know, and, uh, and, you know, Russia, you know, streams unfair because you can't you can't play the way we play because, you know, we're Russia. You're not. Um, it's really, you know, bizarre. But, you know, that's that's politics in Eastern Europe. Uh, Dan, Austin, let me go ahead. comment about that. Yeah. Look, Sweden, no, it's not formal, but, but it is because Sweden has, has troops, aircraft, uh, naval vessels participating in NATO military exercises all the time. Now, some of it is kind of below the radar, some of it's not. And that's, uh, there's the, the Swedes play in, in Norway. They've had exercises on a couple of their islands. That uh, you know, that uh, are uh, vulnerable to a Russian amphibious attack, or far less so, because suddenly you have Americans and Brits, Poles uh, showing up, and Finns in some of these exercises. And Finland has had where I'll call them two good mid-sized NATO exercises. On its on its turf uh, in the last eighteen months, and there's it's uh, it's right out there in the open, and it, 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 in, in both countries really, uh, the uh, majority opinion is this is good because we have known forever who the real enemy is, and it's not London and Washington. Uh, it it's, comes from the Kremlin. It's where it comes from, and you just look at the Finnish descent. Defenses and and the Swedish defenses, uh, uh, the way they're uh, the way they're set up. So I mean that's right out there in the open. What Jim said about the Baltic being a, a NATO lake is right. It's a, it's a NATO lake now, and uh, they you, you bottle up uh, <clears throat> Russian uh, vessels in uh, the Gulf of Finland, in St. Petersburg, and that exclave of Kaliningrad. Yes, the Lithuanians and Poles have talked a little bit about uh, they don't like it because there are nuclear weapons there. I remember reading a, a uh, this was two years ago at least. It was before the big invasion, February 2022. 20, uh, 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 their defense minister in Lithuania, uh, I also think the Latvian, and Latvia had a, uh, a, a leader there as, as well, and he says, yes. We know they have nuclear weapons in Kaliningrad. I think they know where they are. I mean, I think NATO knows exactly where they they are in Kaliningrad. 
and uh, sending a message back to the Russians, which is what Jim said. <clears throat> you think that is where you're, what you're going to use as a lily pad for to launch an invasion. What it is is a vulnerability. And after the attack on Ukraine, as Jim said, you know, the Russians say, hey, we can do this, but you can't do it to us. You know what? It can be done to you. That's a, that's a message I hope that uh, leads to a reawakening in, in Moscow. I don't know that it will, but it can be done to uh, I don't want to see it because you'd start running the risk of a, a nuclear war. But uh, there's a, there is more opposition in Russia to what's going on in Ukraine than, get, than, than appears uh, in, in media. Uh, there's uh, a lot of but then one of the things you can tell is the resistance to uh, conscription or resistance to being activated in the reserve. So many of the uh, 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 <coughs> trained soldiers, soldiers who had done their time in, in conscript uh, and were conscripted at one time, have left. They go to Kazakhstan, they go to Turkey. For a while, they tried to go to Finland, but the border's shut down now. And it's not shut down. Yeah, the Finns have, the Finns have closed it, but the Russians closed it because they didn't want uh, want uh, their, their own people, mostly men, liable to military service, <laughs> from going to Finland. Uh, that's another why I said there is a bit of a reawakening going on in Russia. Well, we'll leave it there. Thanks for uh, the update, and we'll talk to you next time. Till then, bye bye.